Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to the Believe in Bengal podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. I'm Solomon Wilcott. And right now, of course, this is our third episode where we are, are going to preview the soon-to-be-released book from Bulldog to Bengal. That's right. It's the story of Joe Burrow through the eyes of his hometown and the great people in Athens, Ohio. And joining me right now is one of the co-authors, Scott Burson, and none other than, that's right, Joe Burrow's father, Jimmy Burrow, joining us here on the Believe in Bingo podcast. Guys, how you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us having us on and uh, uh, looking forward to our, our conversation. Well, Jimmy, look, I know you're coming to us. You're in your car. You're helping your parents down there uh, in Mississippi. And I know that um, the tornado that came through uh, did some damage down there. So we wish your parents uh, well. Our thoughts and prayers are with them and, and with you as you sort of walk them through this. Are you going to be okay? Yeah, I'm going to be okay. We're we're uh, Mississippi tough down here. My parents are 93 and 92. The house uh, got damaged and you know who knows if we can we can get it fixed but they were in the storm cellar they're safe the town is a disaster area but but everybody's pitching in and uh, really uh helping out and it's uh yeah, it's it's part of a life that you have to deal with and uh, uh but we're there to help so uh it's it's been good to, to at least be able to to be there and help my parents and the, the people of amory well it's not lost on me and i think scott did a really good job of dick depicting this in the book and telling the story of how you grew up in Mississippi. You grew up an athlete. Uh, you got to play baseball, basketball, football, but it's your mom who kind of <laughs> stole the show, right? Holding the state record with 80 plus points scored in a basketball game. So I understand that you got all that great athletic ability yeah. from your mom. Is that correct? Well, uh, she would tell you that for sure. <laughs> and, and that's probably, uh, more true than than not, but my dad played basketball at Mississippi State also, so there was a lot of uh, good uh, basketball uh, athletic genes in the in the family. But my mom was was a legendary uh, uh, basketball player in North Mississippi. They didn't really have a uh, uh, women's college basketball in the in the down south here at the time, so uh, she didn't she didn't continue to play. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun to read the the old scrapbooks. Yeah, I bet as we're watching the NCAA tournament, the women's version, uh, your mom could sit back and watch those games and think what could have been because she was certainly a talent. You know, um, Scott also depicted in the book, of course, of how uh, the town of Athens really shaped um, the upbringing of, of one Joe Burrow. And this thing is growing into folklore, all the wonderful things that he's accomplished early in his life. And it all starts, a lot of it starts right there in Athens, Ohio. And what took you there is, of course, you were coaching um, right. college football there. Just kind of talk to us about the story. I know it's depicted in the book, but just how you ended up in Athens and how it came to be that you end up staying there despite getting job offers yeah. to leave. Well, Joe was born in Ames, Iowa. I had uh, I've been coaching at Iowa State and then eventually became the, the head football coach at the high school, Ames High in Iowa. Uh, wanted to get back into uh, to college uh, 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 sports. And so um, I had uh, uh, gotten to go with uh, uh, Coach Solich at Nebraska. 
and uh, spent a couple years there and then went with Craig Bold to Fargo, North Dakota, and then uh, uh, decided that uh, when Coach Solich took that job at Ohio University that, that that's what I, I wanted to do. So uh, I think we moved there. Joe was uh, uh, second grade. He came in spring break, and uh, uh, the, as, as Scott and Sam Smathers uh, have, have – uh, Talked about in the book, the rest is, is history, and uh, Sam uh, had a lot to do with it. So that's how we ended up in uh, Athens, Ohio. And, uh, yes, uh, we, we loved it there. Uh, Joe really didn't ever want us to, to leave. I had a few job opportunities, looked into a few things, but we decided to make that our home and we're still, still living there. And, Scott, I, I want to bring you in here real quick because you made it a point to really depict great storytelling, by the way, of – of how when Jimmy was offered uh, a job um, and then uh, of course that one didn't work out. And he, he went and told you wrote about this in the book that he went and told Joe that it didn't happen. And Joe said, good, you made sure to get that in the book that, that Joe, <laughs> that was his way of sort of voicing um, the approval that they were going to be staying. Why was that very important to you? Yeah. I mean, Jimmy told me that, that story and I just thought it was a great, great anecdote uh that he'd had various uh job uh interviews along the way and opportunities but but Ames as Jimmy just said is where Joe was born you know and they'd spent time there at Iowa State and so that would have been an attractive option and so I think I think Jimmy you had said that you got a phone call in the car and you went inside and Joe was warming up for maybe a uh, wow. uh I think it was a basketball game right and you walked by as he was shooting and uh, said didn't get the job and he just said good <laughs> and it's a yeah. I forget where it was, but he, yeah. he was warming up in the layup line, and and I, I just passed by the underneath the basket, and I said, uh, uh, "We're not going to, to to Iowa State," and that uh, uh, I didn't get the job, and he said he said good. So uh, I kind of figured that that that's what he wanted, but but he knew that might be a a, a great opportunity for for me to to get back into the. Uh, you know, the Power Five conference at the time. And that was the last time I ever even uh, reached out for, for another job, uh, I think, until until even later. I, I But, you know, that's where he wanted to be. That's that's Joe's home. And and uh, we're, we're, we're there for good. And Scott, well, I, I want to I want to go back to you, because I think mm -hmm. you tie it in very well that uh, Athens was a community um, that it sort of offers what I think Jimmy just talked about. Their sacrifice, everyone sacrificing for one another. And these group of kids that came up with Joe that played sports with him across, whether it was basketball, baseball, football, that the community always pulled for one another. It was very customary to put others first. And, and we see that that story as a theme throughout the book. Yeah, I mean, I think Joe, uh, you know, got acclimated you know, to Athens through sports. And uh, I think it was uh, Tom Vanderven, who's a sociologist at, uh, at OU, who made this observation that, uh, that sports became family and community for Joe from a very young age. So for him, everywhere he goes, you know, these guys in the, in the locker room aren't just uh, coworkers. I mean, they're, they're family. And this is just, it all started in, in Athens. Um, would you agree with that, Jimmy? Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, uh, that was the way Joe uh, got to know his his friends that are still to this day his friends. Uh, our first uh, uh, thing that he got involved in, I think, was what's called Sandlot uh, Baseball. That's basically Little League Baseball. And 
And really that was his core uh, group of friends uh, that first summer. Uh, then it became basketball and, and football and those core friends. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that was help. That, that was his special group of friends from the first summer and still are to this day. Now, Jimmy, look, you, you coached them in baseball and basketball and football. And while you were coaching your older boys, your two older sons who were really good football players in their own right, they played on the defensive side. You were coaching um, college football on the defensive side. So you were watching film and studying. Joe became a, a student of the game, studying with you and his older brothers. And he learned to watch the game through that through that prism from the other side of the ball. He would ultimately go on to become a quarterback. But how would you say those, those early years of film study with you and with his older brothers, maybe even playing around the backyard, how did that all kind of shape the way that you see him uh, playing the game today? Well, he, you know, he was too young to really watch my, his, his older brothers, but he certainly was around them enough that they, they, you know, they, they said, Hey, you got to be tough. It doesn't matter what position. And, you know, he did, he did want to play defense. He loved defense. And uh, I, th I think because I was on the defensive side as a coach and, and was a defensive coordinator, but, but coached the secondary and safeties, you know, I think normally at on a game uh, that he would be watching uh, of the Bobcats, or uh, he he would he would be trained in on on you know my side of the ball because you know that was <laughs> how I was making a living, and uh, so there there were probably things that rubbed off that I sit every night and watch film with him. No, that didn't happen, but occasionally, you know, we would uh, I didn't get to see every game, so I'd say, hey, you know, do you want to watch? that game that, that I, I missed and he would, uh, he would do it. And we, we might just talk a little coverage here and there, but, uh, Sam Smathers from was his first coach. And, and then throughout his, his whole career to even now he's had great coaches and, you know, they should get most of the credit, uh, uh, as, as far as teaching them how to, how to do those type things, but some of it rubbed off. I'm sure. Scott did a really good job in the book, just kind of talking about how, um, you know, he ended up walking away from baseball. I know that that dream kind of died hard a little bit. Then he ended up really sort of focusing that football would would be the sport for him. When did you know that that football would be the sport, that quarterback would be the position? Because he was talented in all three sports. He could, he could have thrived in either one that he had chosen. But when did you know that football would be the one and that quarterback would be the position he would settle into? Well, there's there's still a lot of people in the area and in Athens that that think baseball would have been his his best sport, but he he gave that up uh, to concentrate on basketball and and football. We thought he was going to be a basketball player because of his body type. He was tall and lean, could shoot the three, and and was growing. Um, and then tenth uh, grade, he when he became the starting quarterback, you know, I'd seen uh, a lot of things that that kind of said, hey, I, I think he can he can play multiple sports if, if he chooses. But after that 10th grade season, you, you knew he was a quarterback and, and you knew he had Division One potential. And uh, even though he continued to play basketball and was all state, you know, his focus at that point uh, was was to be a, a Division One uh, college football player. And Scott, you you wrote it. He kind of broke a lot of hearts, like every coach wanted him, but only I guess only one could ultimately have him, right? Yeah, well, I mean, 
one one of the early stories that really convinced me that I thought this could be uh, a great a great book was I was uh, meeting with Fred Gibson. Uh, we call him Gibby back in Athens, but he was my basketball coach, my baseball coach back in the day. And uh, he told me the story where Jimmy was throwing batting practice. He would just throw batting practice to Joe, you know, when uh, Joe was in middle school, elementary school, middle school. And and he just kept hitting line drives back at you, Jimmy, right? And, and hitting yeah. you and putting uh, bruises all over you. And Jimmy called uh, Gibby and said, hey, I need some help here. I need some protection. And so, you know, Gibby would go out to the high school field and put an L screen uh, up and sit in the stands and watch. And Gibby thought, man, I got myself a star. Yeah, I think it was in eighth grade. Uh, I got myself a star. So when he comes next year, he's going to start for me on varsity. And that's when Joe broke Gibby's heart and said, you know, I think I'm going to be a D1 basketball player at this point. And then uh, maybe, Jimmy, you could talk about uh, Joe thinking about going back out for the the baseball team uh, his senior year. I mean, probably uh, thinking back, it it possibly was his favorite uh, sport. travel baseball uh you know he kind of wanted to be with his friends and then after he committed to ohio state and uh uh i think gibby reached back out and and uh said hey if you want to play baseball again you, you can and and he thought about it long and hard because uh uh he, he loved it he loved being with his friends and as i said that same core group of friends that he met the first summer we moved to athens was was still on still playing baseball and uh but he decided that uh, no, and and I, uh, I agreed with the decision at that time because he was working to to be ready to go to camp with Ohio State. I'd say if you ask Joe now, that's probably the one regret that he that he has in in high school and sports that he that he didn't go back out that that spring. So uh, 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 again, it, it it's worked out for the best. But uh, he loved baseball and basketball for sure. I, I got to tell you, um, I was just just riveted um, to this book, just reading it and understanding uh, this this sense of place of where Joe Burrow comes from. But more importantly, uh, the parents, you and your wife, Robin, um, Joe's parents, and just what wonderful parents you guys are. Because all through it, I'm reading how you guys really allowed this space for him to make his own choices. And you gave him direction, you gave him leadership, but you really did allow him uh, to make his own choices. He always seemed to be very thoughtful um, and very understanding and, and communicating with you guys about what he wanted to do. And every step of the way, it's depicted in the book of how you guys gave him the space to do that. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Jimmy? Well, he does. He he seems to have, have always uh, put thought into, into decision-making, you know, whether it was to transfer from Ohio State to go to Ohio State to uh, give up uh, uh, baseball and and those type things and uh, certainly you know we we gave him dire- direction and uh, uh, but but he he always wanted to, to make the decision him, himself. I'll give you a quick story on the on the Ohio State transfer. We had talked to different schools and it became LSU Cincinnati and. Uh, everybody's is calling him, you know, his, his mom and I were communicating all the time. And he said, Hey, uh, uh, you know, can you just make sure nobody gives me a call? And I, I want to just make a decision here, but I want it all to myself for a week. And, uh, and we, I said, okay, Joe, we'll, we'll continue to, to your mom and, and I'll continue to, to call you at, at night just to, to see where you're, where you are with this. And he said, no, dad, that, 
that means everybody means you and your mom too. You and my mom. I don't want you guys calling me either for a while. <laughs> bring him up to to try to uh, do the right thing and and make good decisions and and be there for him uh, no matter what. And and uh, we certainly uh, gave him advice uh, along the way. But uh, you know he was good at thinking things out on his own. Uh, there's no doubt that this has been a wonderful story, um, and there's still more chapters to come. Uh, but along the way, there were setbacks. There were moments of disappointment. I think people need to understand that. And and I think um, Scott and Sam do a really good job of depicting those in this book. You go back to the season 2015, 2016, 2017, three years on campus in Columbus at The Ohio State University. Um, he's practicing. He's performing in, well in the spring games. When he does get in a game, he does, he does play well. But you were coaching – um, back in Athens, you were coaching college football. Robin is driving out to the games by herself. Um, that had to be difficult because you guys are used to going together to all the games. Uh, just kind of describe for us what those three years were like when maybe he wasn't getting the outcomes that he wanted, but he was still so very patient and continuing to work on his game during that period. Well, it was a frustrating time for for us, I think, as parents. Uh uh, you know, we we couldn't really do do anything uh, about it other than to be positive with it. Uh, we saw those spring games, and you know, as a coach, I'm I'm looking, I'm going, you know, this this guy's pretty good now to to, to do, even though it's a spring game, and went to a few practices. But uh, as I said, you just had to to tell him to hang in there, be positive, and he he's always loved competition. So I think he saw it as as just a an, another level uh, to compete. And, and to try to prove that he did belong there and, and that he could be a starter in the, uh, for, for Ohio State. But I, I think it, it, it was a tough time for him uh, over those three years, but he developed so many great friends and he, you know, he graduated from Ohio State. So there's a lot of good memories for him there, but um, his decision uh, uh, to leave was, was well thought out by, by him and, and uh, uh, the choices uh, that that he came up with and that we came up with uh, were great choices, and and uh, uh, I think once he went in to tell Coach Meyer that that he was leaving, that was a relief to him, and and he was just looking forward from that time on to to choosing a place and and competing again, because nobody yeah. said, "Hey, you're the starting quarterback if you if you go here." Everybody said you're still going to have to compete, but he just saw it as a new opportunity. And uh, as I said, he never backed away from competition and looked forward to it. And Scott, I got to ask you about this because you clearly depicted in the book that um, Joe came through that period um, and it, it didn't scar him. There are a lot of young people would say, hey, I wasn't treated fairly. He clearly outplayed the competition in the spring games, but when things didn't break his way, he didn't hang his head. He didn't point fingers. And even um, when he gave the acceptance speech after winning the Heisman, he had good things to say about everyone back in, in, in Columbus at Ohio State. He was sitting with two of his former teammates there who were also Heisman Trophy finalists. But he seemed to always handle things and and sort of handle it uh, just the right way um, and, and still be able to go on and move on to achieve his goals. Why was that important that you capture that in the book? Yeah, I, th I think that is based on my research and, and everyone I talked to, that's Joe Burrow's character. 
and he's had it from a very young age. And I think Robin and Jimmy are a big part of that. But instead of hanging your heads, instead of making excuses, hey, let's move forward. How can we make the best of this? You know, what is the best uh, plan forward? And like you said, that week when he collected probably the most hardware in the history of college football, you know, which culminated with the, the Heisman Trophy. I remember when he was down in Atlanta watching that acceptance speech, he said, you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. You know, what I went through helped make me into the person that I am today. And, and you see that, I think, with the Bengals. You know, when he had his ACL, MCL, instead of, right. you know, in the book, I don't know if you've gotten that far yet, Solomon, but he has a conversation with the former trainer for the Bengals, who's, who basically his philosophy was, all right, I let, I let guys, you know, kind of have their pity party for 24 hours. And then I say, hey, let's get on with it. Oh. Let's go. And uh, Joe said, hey, no, no pouting here. Let's get on with it right now. So I think that's part of who Joe is and what makes him such a great leader. And look, we can um, stay and, and tell a lot of stories. I wish I had more time, but I want to make sure that we get this story in because I I think Joe got it on us because you tell a story about a young man playing for the University of Nebraska in a 1974, uh, I think it was the Sugar Bowl against Florida. And he makes a play on the goal line. They get the goal line stand. And then the team goes on to go 99 yards for the game-winning touchdown. And that seems to be, it seems to epitomize a lot of the stories around the Burrow family. Um, and that play was made by the guy who's on our screen, right? By, by yeah. one Jimmy Burrow when he was playing collegiately at Nebraska. And Jimmy, just kind of help us to understand that story in context and how it really does epitomize that just because your back is up against the goal line, you can still make a play. You still got another 99 yards to go, but it can still get done. Well, yeah, it was it was fourth and one, and uh, Coach Monty Kiffin was our defensive coordinator. B became a great coordinator, and I love and, Monty. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, one of my favorite guys and, and yeah. a mentor. And and uh, uh, we we're playing a wishbone team. I was covering a wide receiver, and he called a basically a corner blitz, and and I ran right into the to the pitch back out of the w triple option, and and uh, tackled him on the on the one yard line. The play, uh, you know, I. It's a lot better now than probably it was uh, so many years ago. Joe's uh, notoriety has, has brought that back out into into uh, the the media. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a great night in in New Orleans, and and uh, uh, we did go 99 yards. Uh, Tony Davis, uh, who played for the Bengals, uh, had a great uh, part in that. And then uh, we kicked a couple field goals late. And uh, we, we beat the University of Florida in the Sugar Bowl. So that's a that's a great memory uh, from a long time ago. And somewhere Scott Frost has got to be kicking himself. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. He, he should have known better. He had good good stock, right? <laughs> well, Scott, Scott was a friend yeah. before that and, or before the, the whole Joe deal and, and still is a friend. And I've, I've always – did I want him to go to Nebraska? Did we want him to go there? Absolutely. Uh, that's where uh, my older sons, Jamie and Dan, played, and, and Joe learned to ride a bike at Memorial Stadium. But I, I've always respected coaches and, and their decision-making and, you know, whatever, uh, whether it was uh, uh, Bo Pelini when Joe came out of high school or Scott and the transfer. You know, I'm sure they, they have their reasons, and they were committed to – to people on their team or people coming in and uh, it's all part of it. But as, as again, as Joe would tell you, it's, it's uh, uh, he wouldn't change anything for the world. And that experience at LSU uh, 
you know, we're, we're just glad it all played out like it did. It, 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 there is no doubt about it. And uh, just one more thing before you go, because I think I read in the book that you said that Ed Ogeron um, helped change the trajection, the direction of your lives as a family. I think either you said it yeah. or Joe said it, but what can you add to that? Yeah. I mean, Coach Ogeron was, was a, a big reason. Uh, Bill Bush had had set it all up as a recruiter and uh, a coach there at LSU. But uh, once we got down there, I, th I think Joe was actually leaning maybe towards Cincinnati because, you know, we we all love uh, Coach Fickle and some of the guys on that staff. And but but he he had a vision. Coach O did. And and he's a great recruiter, a great salesperson. Uh, you kind of fall in love with him. And and, uh, uh, you know, he, he did. He he basically changed the changed the, the Burrow family uh, life uh, forever with uh with his commitment to Joe and and Joe's commitment to him and LSU and uh, we still keep keep in touch with with Coach O and he's awesome and LSU is awesome and and uh, uh, you know it was just a it's something that we'll we'll uh, have great memories for the rest of our lives. Well, Jimmy, we want to thank you for joining us on the Believe in Bingo podcast and thank you for sharing uh, the story of your family. Uh, I think it's a it's a great American story to be honest with you story of a great town in Athens, Ohio, um, and the story of you and your wife and your family and some truly wonderful people like Scott and Sam and so many others who are mentioned in the book. It is a pleasure to be able to share uh, many of these stories with our fans. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals fans are going to enjoy reading this book. And Scott, why don't you tell everyone where they can find the book when it's released from Bulldog to Bingo, the story of Joe Burrow through the eyes of his hometown. Yeah, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, OrangeFraser.com. Uh, so Orange, F-R-A-Z-E-R.com. You can pre-order it now. Uh, you can also order it through through Amazon if you have Prime. And so it'll be, be coming out in April. And some of the proceeds from the book will go to benefit the Joe Burrow Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, so we want everyone to go out. You're going to be blessed by reading this book. We've certainly been blessed by hearing these great stories uh, we're running out of time, so we got to let you guys go. And uh, Jimmy, hey, we wish your parents all the best. Uh, let us know what we could do to help if we could do anything. And uh, right. we thank you guys for joining us on the show today. Uh, God all bless right. you. We'll see you next week. We're going to be joined by Robin Burrow right here on the Believe in Bingo podcast. Thanks for joining right. us, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.